this is Mike from Sober Sundays with Mike Michel. Today, we got my boy, Anthony, who's come down to share a little something with us, help us out. Um, I met Anthony about three years ago when he first... I'll let him tell it. What happened three years ago? <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Anthony? Addict, alcoholic. Um, about three years ago, my life with my addiction and my disease got me to the point where uh, I had was going through withdrawals and had a seizure. Fell down. I fractured my shoulder and stuff. And uh, definitely wasn't ready to let go of my disease yet. I definitely had some attitudes and whatnot towards rehabs and what a better way of life could possibly be. But uh, basically to appease some people in my life, I said, okay, I'll go check out some sort of rehab or outpatient program. So what, what was going on with you at that time? Emotionally, the loss of... What was going on? <laughs> I was an absolute train wreck in every sense of the way. Um... About a year and a half before that, I, I lost my my younger brother Thomas to the uh, to his disease. Uh, my disease and my path was already on the road for about thirteen years at that point. Um, just an absolute train wreck. Every which way I turned, I was causing chaos in my life, causing chaos in in the lives of my loved ones. Um, mentally and emotionally, I was just, I was absolutely a tormented person. There was no, like, there was no such thing as peace in my life. At that time, the only way I thought I saw peace in my life was through using drugs and alcohol. And, you know, unfortunately, every time, I guess in my head that I was, like, seeking that peace or seeking happiness or seeking some other type of emotion the only thing i knew to at that time to try and get there was you know to eat pills to drink wine to sniff coke you know did and you ever did you ever think somebody like you would be able to stop using stop the addiction and get better absolutely not not a shot so it wasn't right away that you got sober. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, for me, you know, um, I don't know the exact correct way to put it. For me, I guess maybe I had like such a crazy ego. I don't know. I definitely do think maybe because of the way I grew up, the household I grew up in, Maybe some of the, the ways I was raised as a kid, you know, coming from an Italian household, coming from a household Wait, where... you're Italian? I'm actually Sicilian. <laughs> <laughs> but coming from that style of family, coming from family where, like, um, you know, be tough, have willpower, you know, use your mind, you know. So that wasn't working with... The drugs, though, right? The willpower? 
<laughs> failed miserably. I, I, I can sit here and say I really, really believe that, like, um, for me, one day it was going to be a, a matter of, like, mind over matter. But no matter what, it just didn't seem to get there. Just didn't seem to get there for me, man. So how did you get there? Um, like, I, I don't even know how to consider it. I mean, I remember, for me, a big part of my situation was the fact that I come from a sick household. I come from a household where, my, like I said, my brother passed away a year and a half before that to his disease. I come from a household where I have a mother that struggles with a heroin addiction. And my whole life, I've watched pills and the, transform over many times. And a big part of me using throughout all my years was the fact that I really did compare myself to my household, definitely people around me that I knew. I definitely considered myself a, <laughs> it's so funny to say it like this, I considered myself like a classy addict user. I considered the fact that I had money in my pocket, I had a nice apartment. I, I had a life of luxury. <clears throat> you Just stuck your pinky up when you were sniffing Roxy's? Nah, I chill, y'all. I only did Roxy's when I couldn't get Percocets. <laughs> you know? Um, but only when I couldn't get Percocets. That was my sick, you know, that was my mind. Even though it didn't matter if I was eating 20 or 30 of them a day. But um, it was the fact that, like, I, I would sit there and compare myself. I, I thought because I had money in my pocket and that because my brother would have to go and steal money to get his drugs, I wasn't bad. So what, what would you... What would Anthony say was the turning point of him starting to heal rather than to continue to suffer? What happened was I actually, I, I went into that, to that inpatient program with a um, fairly good counselor. And uh, I remember sitting there talking and saying like, you know, I don't understand. Like, I, I'm not a bad person. I'm not a bad person. Why does this stuff keep happening to me? And he responded to me. He sat there and told me, he's like, listen, Ant. he's like, when we're rolling out disease, he's like, it's not that we're bad people. He's like, truth is, we're, we're good people. But without disease, without usage, you know, we're doing, we're doing stupid things and making bad decisions. He's like, since I'm sober, he's like, and you have the possibility to go and be sober too. He's like, you could be a good person making the right decision, doing better things also. You know, combine that with, I did have a buddy or two that were around the room that did try plant seeds in my head that I just, I couldn't register. So between that and another counselor did sit there and say to me, hey, listen, man, you know, I know you think your life's not all that bad. Maybe it's not as bad as the person next to you. Simply put, do you think you could live a better life? I heard those words, combined those two talks with a couple different people, and I just said, you know, holy shit. Is that when Anthony became more willing to take suggestions, to reach out, to seek more help? Yeah, I mean, God willing, that's where, you know, whatever you want to consider it, my, my street ego, my senses of pride and everything, like, I really did just, I just dropped them. Every time Anthony, I'm just asking for, in case nobody's experienced it, 
each time that you've reached out for help, has has there been help available? Without a doubt, the only problem was whether I was really willing to accept it or not. That seemed to always be my biggest, you know, flaw or fault or whatever you want to consider it. And how long are you sober today? <laughs> I'm so proud to say this, you know, this Thursday, January 12th, I'll be coming up on two years. Some people would say that's a miracle. <laughs> right? By the grace of God. And I never think I would be saying things like that. So what fills the, the satis where do you get the satisfaction from now in life with not drugs and alcohol? Is it the same? Is it a different? No, without a doubt. I mean, be between counselors making me aware of those things, you know, between having the 12 steps in my life, between developing a spiritual path, which, you know, started off as me praying to my brother. Now it's developed in a, you know, along the path. It's um, like what brings happiness is... Truth is, like, I'm probably a very similar person to who I was when I was using. But my laugh and my smile is a genuine laugh and smile. I'm not fake laughing with somebody. If I don't think somebody's funny today, <laughs> I don't think somebody's funny. If I'm happy, it's really because I'm really happy. If I'm mad, it's because I really am mad about something. You know, there's no interference with those, any emotions I have in my life today. I have two questions for you. Do you feel more connected with people today than when you were using or less connected with people now that you're sober? Yeah, absolutely. Today, there's, there's no buffer zone. There's no chemicals. There's no substance that is making my mind think to different extremes between what goes on between me and another person today. And would you say that your brother would be most proud of you because of what you're doing? You just showed me up for a second. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny, like, as I'm sitting here coming up on these two years, I can't catch, can't help but, like, catch myself. Like, I've actually been having a lot of dreams about, uh, about my brother. And um, it's, it's so funny because, like, some of the dreams, me and him are fighting. <laughs> like, literally, <laughs> we're arguing with each other. And some of the dreams, like, we're absolutely doing things. I know we would have enjoyed, you know, we were fishing in one dream. We were sitting there driving my father nuts in one dream. <laughs> you know, like, there's not a doubt in my mind. And not that anybody needs that purpose to have a loved one lost in their life to come out and get sober. You know, I sit there and I do swear by the fact, you know, me staying sober, you know, Yes, my main thing is for me. I'm the one alive. I'm the one living life today. My brother isn't. 
do I have a natural like conscience maybe where I feel like I you know I'm doing this for the kid that didn't get the shot to do this um I absolutely do I'm not gonna take that out of out of my sobriety because it, it has played a role in it maybe there's a possibility that the longer you stay sober the more you know the work that you do reaching out to people that there could be brothers in the future that won't have to experience what you experienced. Without a doubt, I, I feel like I've gone through it already in the two years I've been around the room. All right. How do you feel about coming here and doing this? <laughs> I'm super excited to do this. It seems like you, two years in a row, I don't think you actually remember my date, but that doesn't matter. But it seems like you always get me for service <laughs> right around my anniversary time, and I appreciate it. Well, thank you, Anthony. Love you, brother. <laughs>